0: Hi everybody, this is Peter with Disney Planning Insights. And today, Matt and I are going to be breaking down the Magic Kingdom area. So we are through our information series that is supposed to help you just get the the logistics and all of the core planning out of the way for your vacation at Disney World. And now we'd like to delve deeper and help you understand how the areas are laid out. And then eventually we'll get into the specific parks and break them down into what's there, what to eat, what to do. Um, So today we're going to be looking at the Magic Kingdom area. And the first thing to understand is Disney, with being four different parks, really is set up into kind of four distinguished areas. There is an area of Magic Kingdom where there are hotels and things around that park. Epcot has various hotels, and then Hollywood Studios and Animal Kingdom have the exact same way. When planning your vacation, it is really important to think about what am I going to be doing? Where am I going to be staying? Because if you pick the wrong spot, let's say I want to go to Magic Kingdom three or four times on my vacation in a six, seven day stay and I stay way over in Animal Kingdom, you're looking at a 15 to 20 minute bus ride and that doesn't even involve the security checkpoints and the getting on the bus and everything else like that. So um, this is to help you understand where things are located around the Disney World complex. And we're gonna start with the Magic Kingdom area. When Matt and I were thinking about the hotels surrounding the Magic Kingdom Park, we very quickly realized that we could kind of break them into two groups. One set of the hotels are located on the monorail, so it provides that transportation option for you. And the other set of hotels simply isn't on the monorail. So Matt's going to get us started with our information today with the hotels that are located on the monorail. So go for it, Matt.
1: Yeah, and like Peter said, the monorail in the Magic Kingdom area is the main mode of transportation. So there's three hotels that are on the monorail. Um, The Contemporary, the Polynesian and the Grand Floridian. Um, These are all deluxe resorts and they all have DVC attachments to them as well. So whether you're using your DVC points or wanting to stay at one of those deluxe resorts, you've got options. So the big mode of transportation, like I said, is the monorail. It runs on what they call the resort circuit and it stops at each of the resorts the Ticket and Transportation Center, and the Magic Kingdom. When you get on the monorail at any of the resorts, you're going to go through security at the resort before you get on the monorail, and you won't have to go through security once you get to Magic Kingdom. This is a huge plus for using this mode of transportation because normally lines are a little bit lower, a little bit shorter. You can get through that a little bit quicker. And then once you get to the park, You don't have to go through the big congested security area with everybody that's coming from the buses at the park. The other thing that you can do from all these resorts is you can walk. So the Grand Floridian Path is being built right now and should be finished, I would say, sometime this year. There is a path right now from the Contemporary to the front of Magic Kingdom. And that security area is actually when you cross the street and get over towards the bus area of Magic Kingdom. And there's a path that goes all the way through. And normally when you go through that way, there's only three or four people in that line. It is super quick to get through, great little walk. It's about an eight minute walk, but great way to get to and from the park. The other thing that you can do from all of these resorts is you can take little ferry boats from each resort. And they only hold what, 15, 20 people? they're not that big
0: it depends they have the slightly larger ones that are handicap accessible oh, okay. on all the boat yeah, lines yeah. but yeah they have those little like schooner type boats mm-hmm. that yeah maybe maybe fit 20 30 people on them
1: and and they do the same thing they'll go into that little ferry landing area and they'll give you a quicker way into the parks the nice thing about all these options is lower security lines and relatively quick to and from the park you know most of them a couple minutes at most also what you've got is you've got within each resort you've got their own entertainment you've got water sports because they're all on seven seas lagoon um, and bay lake so you've got a couple of different areas where you can do some boating some jet skiing that kind of stuff that they allow you to do most of the golf courses are off of the polynesian grand floridian area so you've got the Magnolia, the Palm, and Oak Trail over there, which is the nine-hole course. Those are the monorail resorts. Um, the next group we're going to talk about is the non-monorail resorts. So, Peter, why don't you take those?
0: Right. So, there's, some, um, as Matt was saying, the big advantage to staying up near the Magic Kingdom is if you want to go to the Magic Kingdom a lot because the other three parks are very south and relatively close together, when comparing it to Magic Kingdom. So if you're not necessarily wanting that, that deluxe on the monorail line, because the other one that I'm gonna talk about, it's still a deluxe resort, but it's typically cheaper, the nightly rate for the room. And that's Wilderness Lodge. Um, Wilderness Lodge is exactly what it sounds like. It's themed like sort of the Pacific Northwest, great pool, still a deluxe resort. But anytime I go in and I compare the prices for Wilderness Lodge versus contemporary Polynesian or Grand Floridian, I'm gonna find that Wilderness Lodge rooms are running $100 or more less per night. Um, It's also a little bit easier to get the deals at Wilderness Lodge because everybody jumps at the chance to grab the deals at Contemporary, Grand Floridian, and Polynesian. And this is not on the monorail. The only way to and from Magic Kingdom is a boat ride. And as Matt kind of already talked about the boats, the boat ranges in size from either a small little schooner. Normally coming out of Wilderness Lodge, though, are those larger ones that I talked about. But even those larger ones, you know, maybe 80 to 100 people total. Um, they're really nice because they have an indoor area in case it is too hot or raining. And then they have outdoor areas in the front and back of the boat. Sorry, bow and aft for you sailors out there, um, that you can sit outside and take in. Yeah, you're welcome, uh, to take in the beautiful Florida weather. My favorite thing about coming from Contemporary or Wilderness Lodge on the boat ride is you actually go over a bridge made of water. So as you're going across, you look down and you see cars going underneath you. So it's a pretty unique experience to do that. And as Matt mentioned, once, you, once the boat docks over at Magic Kingdom, you walk through normally a very short security line because the boats are really well spaced. So the only thing waiting between you and and getting up to the gate of Magic Kingdom is whatever was on your boat with you. Uh, In addition to Wilderness Lodge, which is a deluxe resort, you have Fort Wilderness. Now, Fort Wilderness is the campground. So here, it's a campground. This resort is so huge and so unique. Uh, I stayed there last year and it was an absolutely amazing time. Whether you want to tent camp, bring a small pop-up, or even go all the way up to you know a huge RV as large as you can possibly get, they've got sites built for you. The sites range from just little gravel pads up to 60-foot concrete pads from one side to the other with concrete patios, um, and then they also do have their their sort of villas. They have the um, Fort Wilderness cabins. Um, they have the cabins, and the cabins are really nice. My parents stayed in one of the cabins while we towed our trailer down there, and the Fort Wilderness cabin was really, really impressive. Um, In hindsight, I didn't, my two parents were there, and my family of four, myself, my wife, and the two kids, we shouldn't even brought our camper. We should've just piggybacked that cabin and (laughs) saved myself a bunch of money, because that cabin was huge. It was spacious living room, big flat screen TV, nice kitchen. Um, Room that had a queen bed as well as bunk beds. Tons and tons of space in there uh, to to bring a big family and have a beautiful time. Um, So that's what you got going on at Fort Wilderness. And again, the only way to get to Magic Kingdom from there is on a boat. Um, All the other resorts, and as well as Matt mentioned, all the other resorts that he mentioned, you're going to typically ride a bus. Uh, If you're going specifically to Epcot, you could also transfer to the monorail line to Epcot from the Ticket Transportation Center. Those are all the resorts that are currently there. Disney just broke ground recently on Reflections, and Reflections, a Lakeside Lodge, is going to be the newest property. And it's gonna be just to the right, if you're coming into the dock of Fort Wilderness, and you look just to the right, you'll see them start to build that. Uh, That's gonna be a deluxe resort, it's gonna be a DVC property. I'm expecting that to kind of fall somewhere in the idea of Wilderness Lodge, kind of between Wilderness Lodge and then um, Grand Floridian and Contemporary in terms of prices, but we'll have to see when that opens in 2022. Uh, Concept art looks amazing. It looks really, really neat, uh, really refined, but still sort of outdoor. Uh, One thing with Wilderness Lodge I didn't mention is they do have Copper Creek. And Boulder Ridge, which are some of their villas, which is the DVC side of Wilderness Lodge. Um, So that kind of gives you an idea of the places that you can stay to be in close proximity to Magic Kingdom. So the last thing that we want to do in this podcast is just paint the picture of Magic Kingdom. One of the things that people, when they get to Disney World, don't understand is what parks have what rides. They just think that Disney World is Disney World. But we're trying to educate you and make you realize that there are four distinct parks and if you want to ride something and you go to the wrong park guess what you're not going to ride it and it's not going to be a quick fix either because it's in a different park so if you don't have park hoppers you're hosed and you might be looking at an hour-long transfer to get from one place to the other to leave the current park get on a bus go to the other park it can be a really big hassle. So Matt's gonna start, once I get through that security checkpoint, as Matt mentioned, really nice to stay on site because all the security lines are not the big mass security where all of the buses are coming from. It's not the giant parking lot security at the ticket transportation center that gets super long. But once you get through that security, you walk up the ticket gates, and then from there, Matt's gonna talk about how you, kind of you experience Magic Kingdom as you walk in.
1: Yeah, so um, one thing we didn't talk about was with all of these resorts, you cannot take a bus to Magic Kingdom. So lots of other transportation, no bus. But once you go in, scan your Magic Band or scan your card, and you get that green Mickey to flash, you're walking into Main Street, USA. So this is a cool little area. It looks like a little town you're walking through. Got a fire station, a lot of different things. And tucked in, a lot of these buildings are different shops and a couple of different restaurants. So you really wanna kinda know what you're walking into. Grab your park map if you haven't been there before and really look at it. Hey, figure out where everything is. This is something you should do before you get down there. But really, it's good to have a park map just as a quick refresher in case your cell phone dies on you or something like that. But on Main Street USA, no rides. Couple of character meet and greets right there in the front building to the right when you walk in. Big bathroom section to the left. Shops up and down the main street as you walk towards Cinderella's Castle. If you want your Starbucks, it's going to be up on the right-hand side about midway down. And then we're going to get up to the Castle Hub, which is the big area that's got, what is that called? The Partners?
0: Oh, yeah, the Partner statue. Yeah, the oh, Partners yeah, statue. Mickey and
1: Walt Disney. And when you get up to there, you can hang a left, and we're going to go into the first actual themed area of the park and that's gonna be Adventureland.
0: Yeah, so as Matt mentioned, uh, as you walk up Main Street USA, you hit a hub and it it is very much designed as a wheel with pathways heading upwards as you imagine the spokes on a tire. Hard left, as you first come up into the hub, there's a pathway that goes just basically 90 degree angle left. The reason why you would wanna head up this pathway is because straight and to the right is where I would say about 75% of people go in the morning. So if you find yourself at Magic Kingdom and you wanna get some things done that you don't have fast passes for, heading to the left is a really, really strong suggestion by Matt and I. It's gonna allow you to take on some rides that are going to get longer lines later but aren't gonna have long lines right away in the morning. So as you head left into Adventureland, you're gonna find that it's kind of like tropical. You've got some like Aladdins and there's some really interesting things in there, but really Adventureland is exactly that. It's kind of built like jungle exploration. And you can see that in what I'm gonna kind of highlight as the two main rides in this area. You have Pirates of the Caribbean and Jungle Cruise. Both of these are really great rides. Jungle Cruise especially, it's a fun ride. I wouldn't necessarily class... It's one, of my, it's one of my fan favorites. It's one of my must-dos. But the ride line itself can get up to 60 to 90 minutes on even a slower day. Mm-hmm. And it's just because they can't move a lot of people through the ride. So Jungle Cruise is something that if you hit right away in the morning definitely smart and is going to save you a bunch of time later because it's not necessarily something that you're going to want to spend a fast pass on. Um, And then Pirates of the Caribbean, fan favorite, got to do it, great ride. As you keep heading through Adventureland, as long as you don't take one of the offshoots that head to the right, if you just kind of keep following what I'll call the main walkway around, you're going to soon find yourself in Frontierland. And it's very neat. I actually did a Food around Magic Kingdom it was called the Taste of Magic Kingdom Tour and they talked about how buildings are built into the design and I now realize as you go from Adventureland into Frontierland that the buildings actually help make the transition in but as you head into Frontierland this is a relatively small area of the park it kind of flows with Liberty Square which Matt's going to talk about in just a minute but in Frontierland you have like an an old shooting arcade gallery. You've got a couple of little shows and shops, but the big two things in Frontierland are Splash Mountain and Big Thunder Mountain Railroad that are kind of set off by themselves, sort of in a back left corner of the park. And those are definitely must do's. If you can hit them early in the morning, again, just like Jungle Cruise and Pirates of the Caribbean, you could legitimately ride all four of those things in your first hour or so in the park And then have your fast passes for everything else over on the other side of the park, which is where everybody's going to be running towards right away in the morning. So we're going to step back. So I talked about to the left. The left has Adventureland followed by Frontierland. We're going to step all the way back to the castle. And if I'm staring up at the castle, Matt's going to talk about the next direction you can go and what you're going to find there
1: so yeah so when you're looking at the castle if you kind of go through the castle and kind of veer off to the left you're gonna you're gonna get into the two lands that i'm going to talk about and the first one's gonna be liberty square and that's gonna have a lot of restaurants in there it's kind of a little area again it kind of mashes in with frontier land and there's there's really not a good transition there but in liberty square you're gonna have haunted mansion which is gonna be your big ride and then you've got a couple of a good restaurant choices back in there. Liberty Tree Tavern is one of my favorite restaurants in Magic Kingdom that nobody eats at. You can almost always get a reservation there. And then once you make the turn on the back side of the park and go under or through, it looks like you're going through like a little tunnel or a building crossover, you get into Fantasyland. And this is where. You start getting into a lot of your real classic Disney stuff. So you're going to run into Peter Pan. It's a small world. And then get over to the area that's called New Fantasy Land. that's going to have Seven Doors Mine Train. Again, each area has its own little food areas and character meet and greets. So with New Land, that's where Be Our Guest is going to be. So really, when you're planning, you're trying to catch those fast passes kind of in the same areas as where your dining is going to be that way we can kind of maximize that time. So if I keep walking through New Fantasyland and get up to the back right of the park, what's gonna be out there?
0: Okay, so uh, touch on a couple of things really quick. So in Liberty Square, a big ride is Haunted Mansion. Um, So you wanna make sure to experience that. And then um, as Matt said, there's really no delineation other than the pathway changes if you want something to look for next time. The pathway from Frontierland, as it turns into Liberty Square, Liberty Square has um, a discoloration in the middle, which is actually meant to simulate colonial America because they essentially the sewer would run right down the middle of the street. So they actually have sort of a cobblestone pathway that simulates that, which is a lot of fun. Um, but as you head through Fantasyland and as Matt said, Seven Doors Mind Train, Peter Pan, really smart to get fast passes for. Um, Peter Pan, again, it's a classic. But it gets such a long line because they just don't move people through that ride. There's just not a lot of people flow. It was built in the 1970s for a 1970s crowd. Well, guess what? It's 2020. The crowds are unlike anything Walt Disney ever imagined. Yeah,
1: it doesn't handle 65,000 people really well. Right.
0: (laughs) Um, So as Matt mentioned, as you keep coming back towards the back of Fantasyland, you're going to find another relatively new area to Magic Kingdom. And it's called Casey's Circus. And Casey circus is of course the circus that Dumbo is in. So as they were moving Dumbo from its original location to start making room for new Fantasyland, land, they decided to also make this Casey circus area. Um, so Dumbo is there and Dumbo's ride queue is absolutely fun. We'll talk about that on a further episode, but really enjoy that. If you don't get a fast pass for Dumbo, no worries. And even if it's a 45 minute wait, also, no worries. Like, go and use it as a downtime for you, parents, and then just trust us when we say that your kids are going to be perfectly happy um, during that entire wait. You yeah. aren't waiting
1: and trying to wrangle kids in a in a yeah. queue line. Let's just put it that yeah. way. Yeah,
0: Dumbo is a wonderful place to wait for 45 minutes on a cold, uh, on a really hot day when you just want some air conditioning and some sit down. There's a couple other things like some shops and some characters and things like that back in Casey's, but really, it's just you feel like you've been transported into Dumbo for a brief moment because you've got some, there's like a water splash area back there as well. Again, great for a hot day and it's all built like the circus wagons that are all shooting water at the kids. So lots of fun back in Casey's heading back out to the spoke. The last place that we haven't talked about with magic kingdom is hard, right? So I mentioned hard left takes me to adventure land. Hard right takes me to tomorrow land, which is, a really, really, it's a congested area just because the buildings are relatively tight and there always seems to be a lot of people going in and out of that path just because it is one of the main pathways of Magic Kingdom versus some of the little side pathways that you can maybe find in other places. Tomorrowland is currently home of Space Mountain, Buzz Lightyear Space Ranger Spin, and a fan favorite that's been around since forever, and that is, of course, the Carousel of Progress. D- come on, man! You want to talk about like twenty minutes on a on a hot day? Oh, oh it's awesome! Yeah. It's awesome,
1: and you you're in there with like seven other people, and... right? I take a nap half the time, it's, exactly.
0: I take a nap, and I wake up as it starts to move, and I sing, "Oh, there's a great, beautiful time." It's a great time. <laughs> um, coming to that area, just to talk about what Magic Kingdoms got kind of on the slate. If you ride People Mover or Tomorrowland Speedway, you'll get a really great view of Tron, light cycle coaster. And um, the track is built. They're building the the building that's going to house about half of the track. And it's really coming along. It's supposed to be open by 2021 for the 50th anniversary of Magic Kingdom. So Tron will be in Tomorrowland. So very soon, if you listen to this podcast, I would scrap Buzz Lightyear out of that as fast pass consideration, and I would be all about Space Mountain and Tron being the two fast passable rides sitting in Tomorrowland. That's about all I've got, Matt, unless you have some more things to add on Magic Kingdom and its area and what to expect.
1: No, just really to tie it up, Magic Kingdom area, they've really made it a deluxe stay if you want to be close to that park. It's the park where most of the people go. So if, you got it, if you're got if you going to be close to it, you're going to spend a little bit more money. But if you are planning on Magic Kingdom being your main park, our next trip, we're spending three days at Magic Kingdom. We're staying in the Contemporary. We're not going to waste that time going to and from any other hotel. We want to be able to get there at Rope Drop. We want to be able to get have breakfast in our hotel and be there before a lot of the crowd gets there. It, when you're looking at your plan and when you're talking to us, you know, if we find out, hey, this is kind of our main area, we're really going to talk about, do any of these hotels make sense? So I want to thank you for listening today. Get Catch up with us on the Facebook page, on our website, and any of the platforms that our podcast is on. Like I said on the Facebook Live, if you saw that, we're on nine different platforms, and then we also have YouTube and the the website so you can catch us on a lot of different platforms now so until you hear us again have a good day bye now turn your disney dream into a magical disney vacation with princesses and the mouse disney travel
0: contact us at any of these options or learn more by clicking the website link below